Hey, y'all. We just had to stop and start recording again because I realized the whole time I was talking, I was like, up in it. Hello. I mean, Kara's like a normal human being over here talking, and I'm all like, this, this is, is the like, Megan Whitmer show. Quiet males over here. <laughs> I'm already entirely too loud. Okay, so, oh, pause for a moment. Did I tell you my trash witch happenings on Saturday? No. <gasps> Let me tell you all about this. Wait, this is the Witch's Magic Murder and Mystery Podcast. I'm Kara. I'm Megan. Hey, yeah. guys. Okay, Saturday morning, Jason and I get here super early so I can make cinnamon rolls. I am sitting there stirring the butter with my little, like, baking spatula. Set it down on a flat surface in the middle of the flat surface. You know where those windows are? Uh-huh. In the middle. Uh-huh. Walk to get milk from the bar area. the in, Like, in the front of the coffee shop. We're headed back. Jason's talking to me. I hear a smack on the floor. The spatula is in the middle of the room. The window's here. The spatula is here in the middle of the floor. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, joking, like, whoever's doing this, can you stop? Like, I am tired this morning. I've got clients. I don't yeah. have time to clean up your messes. Yeah. Jokingly. So then we're chatting again. I go up to tell Jason something completely irrelevant, but we hear another slam on the floor. And it is the, so you know the KitchenAid mixers, the plastic things that go on the top that you can like have the little spout on them you can pour through. That, which I wasn't even using, was on a shelf on the like table that I use, was on a shelf on it in the middle of the floor. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So then I was like, not again. We're not doing this today. Yeah. So that out loud. It's not funny. This isn't funny. I'm I'm not cleaning up your messes. So then I'm putting the icing for the cinnamon rolls in a piping bag. I do half of the cinnamon rolls. I'm taking them up to Kirby so she can put them in the case. We hear a smack on the floor. The piping bag is laying in the middle of the floor. I had laid it in the, like on the back what is happening? of the table, which is up against a wall. That's so weird. Yeah. And then I did dishes and came back over here and I was like, I'm done with you. No more messes. <laughs> no, I don't like it. No. Mm-mm. This is an old building. It is very old. It was built when the roads were dirt. I mean, we have the trash witch joke for a reason. Yeah. Oh, stuff happens. That one time your chair was moved. Mm-hmm. And people will message us or comment on the YouTube thing. And they're like, yeah, there was an orb at this time. There was an and we're orb like, yeah, this we know. Time. Yeah, we know. We know. Mm-hmm. we know. It's when weird stuff happens. <laughs> we're used to it. It's friendly. I can't remember all the things that we said and before we had to start recording. Oh, my God. Again. I don't even know. I did. Oh, I was going to mention on our Instagram. Oh, yeah. One of our listeners who commented about how he and his wife have now caught up on all the episodes and they knew all the words Uh to our anchor ad. (laughs) Because we had kept that same one. And he said, he was like, I do Kara's part, which I think is incredible. The funniest part of the whole thing. So much. You all can just now learn the new version. Yeah. We're going to keep doing that ad. As long as we possibly can. At this point, it's like the best joke to me. I love it. It's like. Oh, good. I love it. <laughs> Let's talk about Anchor again. <laughs> hey, guys, we're here. we're actually not here with an Anchor ad. We're just... No. no. <laughs> Do we get credit for that, too? Do we get double credit for an Anchor ad? <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, so you have a story I today. Have a murder. Mm. The wood chipper murder. Oh. Yeah. It's a gruesome one. Yeah. Mm. How do you think her name's pronounced? I did listen to a couple different YouTube videos to figure it out. Um, first one was a British guy and I was like, nope, that's not how I'm going to say that. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Suddenly have a British accent. <laughs> did the whole Us time. of all people. The whole entire time. Okay. Um, I believe it's pronounced Hella. It's H-E-L-L-E. 
So Hella was an only child. She was born in Denmark, July 7th, 1947. Uh, she was a super smart girl. She went to school in a small village in d- north of Denmark. She attended college in England. She lived in France. She got a job as a stewardess with Capital Airways. She flew to Africa a ton. She was in and out of Brussels or Frankfurt. She enjoyed the thrill of discovering new places. She just was like a little traveling Tina. She goes, traveling Tina. Tina. You have to add like the same letter for somebody like, <laughs> I was like, pessimistic. Is, is that a skit? Like, I don't traveling know. Tina. Mm-hmm. Sure. Negative um, Nancy. Negative. See? Yeah. Cautious Kathy. Debbie Downer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Traveling Tina. Traveling Tina. It just came to me. So, <laughs> All I can picture We is just like, got to watch that. <laughs> it just came to me. It just came to me. Just, All I can naturally. picture is like Tina Belcher, like traveling all these airways <laughs> to Denmark and stuff. Um, I, I'm actually not friends with this girl anymore, but I used to be friends with the girl who, that was the whole reason she became a stewardess, so she could travel all over. And, yeah. And she really, I mean... It was really cool to see all the places she got to go. Yeah. I couldn't do it. I'm not a good flyer. We would die. We would. Oh, my God. If we were in charge of that. Yeah. Like, we're the ones who would be in charge of calming people down when things get scary on an airplane. (laughs) No. We were in that exit row and they were like, can you all handle this? And we were like, no. As long as we get to play with the slide. Yeah, we're fine. (laughs) You've never seen someone. Study the manual. You know how, like, in the seat in front of you, they have, like, that plastic card that's like, here's all the steps. Here's, like, okay. Like, we're going to be tested on it later. And I, like, I have a nervous flight. But I just, I just prefer to, like, keep my eyes closed and pray. Yeah. The care is more like, I'm going to be prepared for everything that could happen. And I was like, I just want to open this door and pull the lever so the slide comes out. You go first. Yeah. You're next. Ma'am with a child, have at it. Don't worry. I've read I will go I've last. read the pamphlet. I know everything. Megan's going to be down there first to catch you. Here you go. Here, sir. Yeah. Don't forget <laughs> your bags. I've got you. I've forgotten all about that and how much I'm, I loved it. I think I even took a picture you of did. you looking at the thing. You posted it on our stories, I think. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. Kara's prepared. <laughs> okay. So when she discovered that Pan Am Airways was looking for a stewardess in Copenhagen area, she was like, I'm going to apply. Here we go. She was one of eight candidates selected out of a group of 200. They were sent to Miami for training courses. She had tons of experience in the past in this field. So they were just like, you're first in class. Like, this is apparent. You're extremely intelligent. Yeah. Here we go. It's not that that Gwyneth Paltrow movie, right? Where Mm -hmm. she's kind of stewardess. Put the yeah. wrong and fastest in the wrong syllable, that movie. Yes. Austin Powers. <laughs> she said it was a great position. She said it was a the area, like Miami, populated by airline employees, stewardess pilots. Like, the area she was in was just great. Mm-hmm. She was like, I'm under the same roof with some male co-workers and stewardess. She was like, we all kind of, like, mingle together, if you know what I mean. Oh, did you? But her friends were like, she was far, one of them was quoted saying she was far too cautious to have been promiscuous, but she did have a few lovers. Oh. Mm -hmm. And they said, like, single stewardess liked the airline pilots both as, like, future mates or just, like, a good time during a layover. Mm -hmm. She was like, this is. It would have to be a weird life. This is the lifestyle. Yeah. Her friends were just like, this is what she did. Yeah. She um, met Richard Crafts. In this field. Was Richard, he a pilot? 
Mm-hmm. He was born in New York City in December of 1937. He was one of three kids, two older sisters. His dad was a super successful businessman in Manhattan. He was just like living the big life, dreaming of living in the suburbs. And then he purchased a home in Connecticut. And it was just like one of the highfalutin areas. Mm-hmm. He was like, this was me. I, I like picture Connecticut as highfalutin oh, in of general. Course, of course. Okay, so it said a former World War One pilot and college football player. His dad must have been living this life and planning a life for his son, Richard. Right. Because he's the only boy. Um, And so they were just like, his dad tried to do best by him. He he tried to his, you know how his him. sisters can't possibly have, exactly. like, as they impressive of a life. They could never have done anything no. as but let's, great. Let's just hope, so much hope for that man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they sent him to private school, obviously, because he had to have the best of the best. Mm-hmm. Um, but he struggled a lot in school. He did mm-hmm. not do so well. So he dropped out uh, and joined the Marines in 1956. Oh. Yeah. Um, he was in the military. He was like, I really love aviation. I really want to fly helicopters. He trained in fixed wing aircrafts and became certified as a pilot in the late 50s. So he was tra- Richard was transferred to Korea and Japan. During his time there, he flew some pain- planes for Air America, an organization that was recognized branch of the CIA. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Apparently, he flew a number of missions to Southeast Asia and, like, Vietnam and, like, all this stuff. He was all over the place for, like, military-type things. Um, And he just did this until he returned to the United States in 1966. So late 50s to 66, so about 10 years. As a pilot, though, he was kind of struggling to find work when he came back to the U.S. He flew for a variety of places. And then he got a pilot's job in 1968, so two years later, with Eastern. Um, It was then one of America's largest and busiest airlines. They said it was the first time in his life that he was making a comfortable salary. Because the military, you don't really make a comfortable salary. And they said he had a super busy schedule, but he still found time to be social. He wanted to go out on the town. He wanted to be in that scene. He met Hella. In 1969, uh, but he was also engaged to somebody else when he met her. Mm. They continued to see each other. He continued to see other women. They were just like, it is what it is. Oh, this so is the life. Yeah. Okay. Um, so they were on and off for a few years. Then they would fight sometimes in public even, but they'd always come back to each other. So her friends were like, you know, we're a little suspicious of this man. We're not his biggest fan. And they were just like, also, we told her all the time, like, we didn't understand her attraction to him because she was gorgeous, intelligent, like, all of the things. And he's just not. They said that he was kind of like a stocky, like, five foot eight, like, just your normal average man. But just because he wasn't she, they said she could have hot been, enough? Well, I don't know. Was, That's thought, I know. It, I was like, uh, they were just like, he's just suspicious. It's not her type. And I'm like, well, I mean, if you tell me it's it was, like, yeah. Clearly it was for a bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, but like, I don't know. That's so subjective. I like, know. But her friends, your friends sure don't that, think like, he's hot enough. Oh, her friends said that several times, like in these things, like, wasn't her type. Talk about his personality or that he was, gave you weird vibes, but don't tell me you don't think he was cute enough. That's yeah. stupid. Yeah. Yeah. In 1975, she became pregnant with his child. In November of that year, they got married and moved to New Hampshire. Why am I defending him, do you think? I don't know. I know what he does. Gonna, you're not going to want no, to. No, I, I mean, I don't know yeah, the specifics. Yeah. 
the what specifics? Thank you of this story, but I know he's the bad guy. So what's wrong you with don't me? Pacific Ocean. Why do I do that? The following year, they bought a one-level ranch home in the city of Newtown, Connecticut. She had her first child, and then over the next few years, had two more kids. Then she returned back to work. She was a stewardess, and she hired an au pair. Uh, her name was Dawn Marie Thomas. She was 19, and she was to care for the kids while she was working and while he was working. Mm. Mm. Do you mean he wasn't really working, Kara? No, he liked to spend a lot of money. Mm. Mm. Yeah. They said that together their income exceeded 125000 a year, and that was in the 1980s. So they were in the top 5% of wage earners in America. Wow. Yeah. So they had tons of money at the time. Richard managed all of the family's finances, and so he was just constantly spending. Uh, he uh, had a habit of buying guns, um, and he had lots of them, so much so that he had a specific space there to store his collection. Uh, lots of shotguns, handguns, automatic weapons. Uh, he had crossbows, hand grenades, and thousands of rounds of ammunition. They stated that it was enough to arm 50 men. They said he spent hours tending to his collection, cleaning, polishing. Why? Like they're little toy cars. I don't know. <laughs> Not toy cars. No. And they said that whenever there was a gun show, he was there. New Jersey, Connecticut, whatever. He's there in all the aisles, spending all the money. Wow. Yeah. There was a little bit of trouble in the marriage, other than him constantly spending their thousands of dollars on guns. They said he beat her. So she had bruises a lot even when she was out in public. Mm -hmm. So people were starting to question, like, what is going on? Is he physically abusing you? One of her friends later told the police that she was physically abused by her husband and said she would never forgive Richard for what he put her through during her first pregnancy. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So they said after the children, Richard would constantly leave for days at a time. He was never home. He would just pack his bags and leave, claimed he was working, he would return several days later, and her friends were like, she never knew if he was away on business, gun show, or somewhere else. Since he controlled all the finances, she had to pay the house expenses, so she had to, like, work hard to, like, pay all the bills because he's out gallivanting mm -hmm. and doing whatever he wants. He bought landscaping equipment like tractors, mowers, a $25,000 backhoe, which is super pricey in the 80s, never used that front yard they this article said it was a mishmash of rusting broken machines and it was an eyesore to their neighbors so it's like they have this like all this money but he's like oh, i'm gonna which seems like there's something wrong mentally you know yeah yeah Kara. yes megan i have been seeing all over tiktok these hair straighteners ever since i got my haircut i'm still feel like i'm learning how to do my hair all mm -hmm. over again let me tell you i have found one that works really well it's um Yay. from timo ty mo yes and it is the company for getting the best type of straightener for everything your hair could possibly need it's all over social media right now with products from 59.99 to top of the line straighteners each of their products are built to last and have so many options for whatever your hair needs are so Karen and i received a couple of the products oh we gosh. got a so exciting and a blow dryer yeah. so i'm going to talk about the straightener because that's the one that i have used it has a cordless design which makes it so right. handy. you traveled with it yes so it's great for getting a good 
hair reset on the go because it's so portable and convenient. It's called the Porta. It has this 3D comb design, which is enhanced by cutting edge MCH anionic technology. So you brush it through your hair, it straightens as it goes, and it pushes against this ceramic plate that gives a frictionless glide that promises to curb frizz by 50%. And I've totally seen that because my hair gets frizzy and this just really smooths it out. I really loved it. Okay, so I got the air hype. I'm obsessed with it. I have just like naturally curly, wavy hair. So it was a huge game changer for me. It dries your hair in half the normal time and it keeps your hair safe and shiny, which I noticed immediately. Mm -hmm. I didn't even need to straighten it afterwards. And usually I do because usually I have all those wild like curls left over. The wind power on this thing is intense. It's wild. Like I turned it up. I was like, let's play with these buttons. Okay. So it has three magnetic styling attachments. They're all amazing. You know how some blow dryers you get are like, if you go to a hotel and there's a diffuser and you're like, oh my gosh, this is like tearing my hair to pieces and it's going to be so tangled. Not with this one. Nice. And it's magnetic. So it's great. So right now you guys, our listeners can get 30% off their first order at timobeauty.com. T-Y-M-O beauty.com using the code WMM30. So that's just two M's. You guys know our codes usually have three. So just keep that in mind. So with so many great products to choose from, now's the time to upgrade your styling and curling kit. So go to TYMOBeauty.com and use the code WMM30 for 30% off your first purchase. Goodbye. Goodbye. Menopausal and perimenopausal women, listen up. It's time to take control of your health and comfort and Winona is here to help. Winona is a telemedicine company for menopause care who believes that your symptoms are real, important, and deserve to be taken seriously. And for many women, this starts with hormone replacement therapy. Winona's HRT is made with plant-based, bioidentical hormones rather than synthetic ones, so it better aligns with your body to offer relief from hot flashes, weight gain, and other uncomfortable symptoms. 80% of women who use Winona find relief within just 90 days. So what are you waiting for? Get started today. Visit buywinona.com today to start your free visit. With free shipping and the ability to pause or cancel at any time, your path to wellness has zero obligations. Use code SPRING24 at buywinona.com for 25% off your first treatment plan. That's B-Y-W-I-N-O-N-A.com for 25% off. Winona, menopause care made easy. So in 1982, even though he was flying with Eastern and his house was having issues, like they always needed repairs and stuff, he decided he was going to become an auxiliary police officer in Newtown. He was not paid for this time on the police department. It was like a volunteer type thing. They said he was very serious about this job. Very serious. He took it so seriously. So much so that he would frequently hang out around the police station. When he was off duty, he'd be there. He would respond to police calls without authorization. He'd hear it over the radio and be like, I got this, guys. And they'd be like, no, 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 this this isn't your call. We actually have officers that are taking this call. Go on somewhere. It is. I I have so many questions about what happened to him when he was in the military. Yes. Because it seems like like the guns and this Uh job all taken back Mm -hmm. to that. Yeah. And his obsession with like spending and stuff. In 1986, he was actually hired as a police officer in another town, Southbury. Uh, His salary was $7 an hour, which was, they said, well beneath his pay as a pilot. But he paid his way for expensive training seminars. And so he learned all the new, like, procedures and all that stuff. He was just so very serious about it. 
and he would buy like new police radios and like all the new equipment and just like all the fine and fancy things because he wanted to be the best of the best. He was seeing other women and she was very aware of it, but she was just, just like, I'm going to deal with it. Like, Hello. Just, us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to deal with it. I just like, it is what it is. We have three kids. I'm working. He's supposed to be working. Like, I just don't know what else to do. So she's like, I do know that our marriage is struggling. I'm going to talk to him about divorce. I'm going to talk to my friends about divorce. But then she was like, you know what? I'm going to get a divorce attorney and hire a private detective. Private detective's name is Keith Mayo. He was a former Connecticut cop and he was just going to get evidence. So I think that probably during that time she was thinking they're not going to grant me like anything that I need during this divorce hearing if I don't gather all this information. As of November 19th, 1986, a friend of hers decided to drop her off at her home in Newtown, Connecticut. And this was the last time that anyone but her husband saw her. Oh. Yeah. So during the next few weeks, her friends tried to call her. Richard just kept telling them different stories. Some would hear that she'd gone to visit her mom in Denmark. He'd tell her others that he had no clue where she was. She just ran out on him. Um, and then he was like, maybe she's in the Canary Islands with a friend. And then people maybe. were like, yeah, people maybe were like, us, but I'm that friend and we're not there. Like, that was our place. Like, what, what are you talking uh, about? Hella once said, if something happens to me, don't think it was an accident. So like, as she was talking about divorce with her friends, she was just like, guys, like, it's Can not, you imagine it's one of your friends saying stop. that to you? Yeah. Like if you, or if you were that afraid that you would even say that to people, if yeah. something happens to me, it's not going to stop. It's it, that's going to be the end of me. Yeah. December 11th, investigators located Richard on duty at the Southbury Police Department where he was working night shift. They asked if they could ask him some questions. Here's how the report goes. Question. Richard, did you know that your wife hired a private investigator? Richard. No. Question. Did you know that the PI has documented your relationship with a New Jersey woman? No. Why would your wife tell her friends that she was afraid for herself regarding serving you divorce papers and tell them to check on her if something happened? I cannot imagine her saying this. It's completely out of character for her to say this. (laughs) That's not really answering the question. Yep. Why would she do this? Exactly. Oh, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I don't. She wouldn't say that. I don't think she would say that. That's not. That's not. That's not. She wouldn't say that. Another question. On November 18th, when Hella came home, when and why did she leave? Answer. Those answers are in my statement. I don't care. Say them again. We're asking you again. Yep. And I might ask you another time, sir. Yes, sir. (laughs) Sir. Question. What is the story with your bedroom rug? Apparently you removed it or cut it into some pieces, cut some pieces out of it. Can you explain this to me? Mm -hmm. All the rugs in the house are being removed and replaced. Mm-hmm. Questionable. Uh, what was spilled on the rug in your bedroom? Kerosene. <laughs> what? Good lord. Kerosene what? heater, maybe? Yeah. Okay. Uh, did you cut pieces out of the rug? Yes. Two feet at a time. It's easier to remove it that way. Mm. Hmm. Mm. What did you do with the rug you took out of the bedroom? Dumped bedroom rug in the Newtown landfill one week ago. It was blue in color. Question. Why have you been telling everyone different things about Hella being missing, like her mother being sick? Answer. I didn't want to say my wife was gone and I didn't know where she was. Question. Has Hella received any mail since she's been missing? Answer. No. She's gotten no letters since she left. She usually gets about two letters a week. 
That's weird, too. Mm-hmm. Are we going to find out why they asked that mm-hmm. question? Oh, okay. Because I was like, what a strange yeah, question like, they what, even ask. What? Whenever they asked questions, he had an immediate answer. Um, they said he was cooperative, but he was very guarded. I mean, that's clear in his answers. But they were like, he's not caught in any outright lies, just like half-truths. And then it's just like, maybe for a man that has a wife suddenly missing, maybe we should be a little more apathetic towards I mean, even that answer, I didn't want to say she was gone. I didn't know where she was. It's not a bad answer. Yep. Yeah. So they have this brief one-page statement, and they were like, this isn't helpful at all. But they were just like, what do we what do we do? We think he has something to do with it, though. December 25th, police obtained a warrant to search their their house and like the area that they lived on. They got a few clues. Obviously, the carpet that they were talking about, they had removed from the floor. Um, The nanny had come forward and said, so there was a dark grapefruit sized stain that was on the carpet, but he had removed it. And then there was a blood smear that was uncovered on the side of their bed Then police found um, his credit card records that he had a ton of purchases before her disappearance. One was a new freezer that they found in the home, new bed sheets, a comforter, and a $900 charge for a rental of a wood chipper. Oh, no. Later on, a private investigator who had been hired by um, Hella, he found in papers provided to him by her a receipt for a chainsaw as well. And they later found the chainsaw in a lake in that town. Forensic experts were able to find that it was covered in hair and blood that matched hers. Oh, my God. Yeah. I tell you, I mean, any, any like, dismemberment. I'm just mm. like, what? How? Mm. Yeah. And then also a snowplow driver knew Richard, came forward and said he had seen Richard using a wood chipper at night near the shore of a lake. During a severe snowstorm, he said it was late on the night of the 19th of November um, that Hella was last seen. He was like, this is around that time. Um, so police were like, you know what, with this new info, we're going to well, we're gonna go scan for some clues in that lake area. Can you imagine mm-hmm. a few things? Being the person who finds a chainsaw that's covered in blood and hair. Yeah. Like, what mm. on earth? And then also, sort of seeing the $900 wood chipper like well, that's weird that he yeah and like putting it all together uh-huh. yeah mm-mm, mm-mm. yeah so the article says that what he didn't know at the time was that pieces weren't just cast in the direction that he was aiming at some parts didn't make it into the water oh, he no. literally took the wood chipper to the side of the water trying to so they said small fragments of her bone strands of her hair broken teeth mail which he she had placed in her pocket the day of her death was on the ground they found pieces of metal three ounces of human remains nail polish that she had on her Bone chips, fingernails, typo blood. Oh, fingernails. Oh, All God. of these were hers. Um, so they were like, holy heck. He put, he, he, he put her through Yeah, he literally put her through the wood chipper. This is the mother of your children. Yes. Presumably at some point, mm-hmm. you cared for her. Yeah. So police theorized that it started in the bedroom. He knocked her unconscious with something blunt. Which they said maybe explains the blood stains that we found near the bed. They then think he carried her body to the freezer, 
left it there for a decent amount of time. Um, and then they said he may have taken her body out of the freezer on the night that he was seen on the river by the witness, chopped her into large portions with the chainsaw, and then put those portions through the wood chipper. Remember, like, when I first saw Fargo? This is, yeah. Right. What a horrible way to kill someone, or to, you know, get rid yeah. of her body. But not ever thinking, thinking it was, like, based a on real a true thing. story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this investigation, the forensic investigation, was led by renowned forensic scientist Dr. Henry Lee. And they said he could not, Richard could not be tried for his wife's death until Dr. Lee could prove that she's dead. So they were like, there's no body. There's obstacles here. But they there's were like, we have all this hair, teeth, that we are nails, matching back to her. So they were like, okay, we've got a tooth, a full tooth. We're going to match it. They were able to match it to her oh, dental thank records. Thank God. Yep. They were able um, to match it to her dental records. Mm-hmm. One tooth. One tooth. Wow. I didn't know that was possible. How would you know which one? Like, I feel like these two are the same pretty much. Okay. They were like, heck yeah, we've got it. Here it is. They Then the Connecticut State Medical Examiner's Office accepted the evidence, issued a death certificate for her, and then they arrested him on January 1987. Wow. Um, they were like, okay, there's so much publicity for his trial. We're going to move him to New London, Connecticut. They began trial May of 1988. And then July 15th, 1988, or 1988, a mistrial was declared because the jury became deadlocked 11 to 1. Who is that one person that is like, oh, I see these photo evidence. Of yeah, what all more these evidence things, do you but need? But I don't think it's her. It wasn't him. We just have somebody say. We know say, he rented the wood chipper mm-hmm. and had We have receipts of it. The chainsaw that was in his name was found in the water with the her rug DNA on it. Cut out. Mm-hmm. The housekeeper. Mm. Yeah, what on earth? He was retried, but the trial was moved to Norwalk. I think that's how you say it. Connecticut. Sure due to a massive publicity surrounding the case, obviously. Um, and he was found guilty November 21st, 1989. This was three years and two days since Hella was last seen alive. January 1990, he was sentenced to serve 50 years in state prison. Why just 50 years? Yeah. I mean, it's, 50 years is a long time, but like, why not like- life in prison? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'll probably end up being life in prison. Right. But still, like, what if he's, like, eligible? What if he gets paroled? Uh, Exactly. What if he's a good citizen in prison and he's eligible for parole? Can you imagine, like, their children? Oh, no. Like, no. So, her, their children went to her parents. But still, that's horrifying. Just to know. To know what happened to your mother and that your dad did it. Yeah. And being able to read about it when you're old. Oh, God. This, like Megan was saying, Fargo and everything, there's so much pop culture that surrounds this. So 1989, there was a film called The Woodchipper Massacre. Uh, children killed their aunt, froze her, and dismembered her and put her in her woodchipper. Obviously, the Coen brothers, I really enjoy their stuff, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No Country for Old Men is good. Mm-hmm. Okay, so 1996, Fargo. Um, the pilot episode of Forensic Files in 1996, this was their investig, like what they featured. Mm-hmm. 1997 New Detectives outlined all the events of this in their episode titled Body of Evidence. 1998 case was featured on history television series Crime Stories. 
July 2012 Investigation Discovery revisited the investigation in their Blood, Lies, and Alibis episode called The Woodchipper Killer. Um, and they were just focusing more on, like, Dr. Lee's forensic analysis and how he got them to sign off on that. Mm. Mm. Like, can you imagine having to literally piece all these tiny pieces of evidence together to where you can get this man convic- convicted? I mean, it's just horrible. Horrible. But I wonder what, and I don't mean as an excuse, just trying to figure out the human, like, what happened when he was in the military oh, yeah. in Vietnam. And, and when also daddy having so many grand plans for him. Yeah. Probably did a little number on him as well. Yeah. I'd be interested to hear from like people who knew him mm-hmm. when he was younger. Yeah. And maybe before and after yeah. his military time. My dad and I actually were just yesterday talking about Vietnam because he was in the army at the time and he was down in, I cannot think of the fort, but somewhere in Alabama mm-hmm. and the fort's closed now. But, um, He got orders to go to Vietnam, and he ended up not having to go because it was the end of the war anyway. Mm -hmm. I said, I was like, I'm so glad he didn't have to go. And he was like, oh, Oh, yeah, yeah. me too. And he was like, well, because my uncle really struggled when Mm -hmm. he came home. And my dad was like, yeah. He's like, I saw people. I knew them before they went and when they came back. And they were, people were just messed up. He said he had, there were six people who shot themselves when they came right. home like in yeah. his barracks yeah and that's how it is like one of my good friends like we used to have movie nights and stuff and he just had horrible ptsd yeah. from the stuff he had to do i can't imagine without and i don't yeah. mean that as an excuse for this guy oh yeah no we say it all the time right on the patreon episode just did yeah. it's like you can understand or know something awful happened to make a person like this but still doesn't mean that it's okay yeah you know. yeah it's like Bo Plus Berg- his obsession Bo with the Bergdahl, guns He already had mental health issues, but then putting him through military stuff, it just yeah, and surrounding himself with guns mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. All police, of that. and it's like he was trying to get yeah, like recreated or something. Yeah. I don't know. Gosh, yeah. awful. Oh, they're poor kids. Yeah. Well, yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, okay. thank thank you. You're so welcome. <laughs> thank you all for listening. Yeah. Let's talk about the Patreon for a second because yeah. we just recorded the episode for yes. it, and we have big plans for starting in January. Who I know, we're Man. gonna add a few things to the tiers. revamp our room. Maybe yeah, we're gonna revamp our podcast room a little bit, a little bit, and we're also planning um, maybe on possibly adding a tier to the Patreon. Yeah. So anyway, if you've never checked out the Patreon, mm-hmm. we would love for you to. Yep. Um, we've got at least two extra episodes a week a year uh, <laughs> a month. Uh-huh. <laughs> the other one and then a video yeah that's kind of you never know what that's gonna yes. be and then and also just some other little perks for you and then we're adding those perks yes and also i mean you can love us however you want to but by being a patreon member megan and i can travel more to kind of see you all and yeah. set up stuff so in, in the hopes that someday those kinds of we things can have like, yeah. yeah that'd be great i think it'd be so fun to yeah talk to you all yes and have little meetups and stuff yeah yeah. And again, if you don't, if you can't join the Patreon no, for any reason, totally, totally fine. fine. I still just love you. Just keep as much. listening how you're listening. Yeah. And keep. Messaging. You should join the Facebook group though. Oh yeah, I was gonna say messaging us and chatting with us on Facebook is so much fun. Yeah, all the ways that you might want to reach us, you can find in the links in your show notes. Yep. And we would always love getting to interact and, and yes. talk and hear from you. It's so gotten so many good emails lately with story ideas. Oh my gosh, it's honestly over. I mean, in a good way, overwhelming. Yeah. It's just so fun that we yeah. have new ideas of stuff we stuff didn't i've never know. heard yeah. of yeah i love that yeah 
All right. All right. Thanks, guys. So much. Love you so much. Goodbye. Goodbye.